Jesuse. She's a real cutie. <laughs> I am a real cutie. That's right. And I'm kind of a doozy. You are a doozy. Maybe kind of a floozy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I you were. I just like Right. Yeah, me too, a little. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about how, you know, when you turn 30, you can be like dirty 30 or flirty 30. But when you're yeah. turning 40, as I unfortunately am this year, there's yes, not as are. many great rhymes. 40 See? ain't no shorty. It sucks. That's a terrible rhyme. It does rhyme. suck. Nothing rhymes with 40. So <laughs> people are going to give us a long list of things that rhyme with 40. And I'm going to be like, well, thank you for that. Well, I can't. <laughs> but it's just not so as how good do you feel as about turning? How do you feel about turning 40? Not good, Sarah. Not good. Really? No. I was thinking that you were going to have the other answer, like a different answer. Well, you were wrong because I am. I already told you I'm having a midlife crisis. Does that mean nothing to you? <laughs> well, th- uh, uh, no, it means a lot to me. I mean, <laughs> you're just so casual about it. I mean, you sure are making a midlife crisis look amazing. Uh, no, I don't. And I that's want a midlife the whole crisis. Reason why I require a million filters of. Fake tan, oh, fake get, boobs, get out. bleach. <laughs> you are a spring chicken in my mind. I'm chasing the wind over here. I do try to think about, you know, whatever you're insecure about in 20 years, you'll be nostalgic yes. for. Mm-hmm. So I try to remember that. Yes, that's a really good thing to remember. I just, just don't look wanna... back at the pictures from back in the yeah. days and be like, oh, I remember when I thought about these bad things. There was a video I saw on mm, somewhere on Instagram and it was uh, uh, a bunch of people and it was like, what if your inner monologue were a friend right next to you? And it was people just like living their life and then this other guy who's like playing their inside voice. So it's like a girl like trying on a shirt and she's like, oh, this will do. And the inner voice comes in who's like an actual person sitting next to her who's like, ugh, that thing makes you look frumpy and fat. Yeah. And then makes that noise. And I'm like, we've all made that noise to ourselves in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. Like, I laughed so hard when I saw that. I'm like, yep, even the noise, we do that. And like, how awful it would be if somebody next to you talked that way. I know. We, we talk about that a lot, how we're so much more cruel to ourselves than we are to even our enemies right why do we do that i know our inner monologue like remember when you um stayed overnight after our date and Mm -hmm. you go oh my gosh i'm loving jammy Susie or whatever you called it yes and i was like i know she's great isn't she and we were doing that thing where you put it in the third person because you're being nice to yourself Oh my God, I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like you have to externalize it in order to feel it because it feels like, why does that feel icky to us? Yeah. Uh huh. And I was like, I know, I love her. She's the best. I'm like, why am I talking about myself like that? It's so interesting. We do that. There, have you seen, I'm sure you have, there's a video that went viral years ago of this little girl who's standing on a bathroom sink counter yeah. and she's got really curly hair and she's like, I love my house and I love my mom and I love my friends and I love my hair and I love my room and I love my books and I love my pets and I love my dog. And like, I think of her every day. Yeah. She was giving herself positive affirmations. I'm like, we need this all the time. There's a, uh, 
a brand called Daisy Natives out there. They're the original ones who did those shirts that say girls support girls with the, mm-hmm. like, red and pink. They're, like, the OG ones. I think I got you one of those. Yeah. Um, uh, and they have a decal that you can put on your mirror that says, I am cool, strong, smart, and fierce. So, like, I'm cool, strong, intelligent, and fierce or something like that. And I would just look at that every single day when I brush my teeth and, like, try to remember that little girl in the mirror be like yes we i love this i love that and i swear it does make your day better yeah i know they say that but turns out they're right yeah we should be nicer to ourselves shouldn't we yeah and i've been receiving a lot of messages recently about people who have been going through some tough times who have said that the podcast has really helped them and helps them laugh and helps them feel like, okay. So like shout out to everybody going through tough times because, hey, aren't we all? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad we can all come on here and like, you know, take a load off and, and have a laugh and remember that we're, we ain't alone in this crazy, yeah. messy world. Yeah. And we always talk about life is difficult. Being a person is hard. So It sure is. What an and honor it's so though, much harder when you're alone. Better. Yes, somebody who said they started a new job and they listened to this uh, at on their lunch break and they they worried because they, they were laughing alone by themselves at a table <laughs> that people at work would be like, who's this new girl? But I, got I said, one. no, it'll bring you people together. Let me find the one that I got recently. Um, she said, I just want to thank you and Sarah for such an amazing podcast. I'm a hospice nurse, and I do a lot of work oh. in rural homes, which equals a lot of driving for me for work. Uh, she's listened to the show for two years, and she says we've kept her company on the road driving from family to family dealing with terminal illness. Oh, and often my she, heart. She says she uses our topics as conversation starters if her patients or families need a good, lighthearted pick-me-up or interesting discussion. Oh. Because who doesn't love a good poo story? <laughs> right? Oh, so thank shout you out for to that gal. That, that, that warms nice. my heart. Yeah. Thank it's, you. It's a real honor. Oh, my gosh. This is just the most precious thing. I just love us. And by <laughs> us, I mean not just you and me. I mean, like, the whole Brain Candy Brainiac Me family. too. It's a lovely community. It really is. I Yeah. And, you know, it just makes me think about how important it is or reminds me about how important it is to not isolate and how some people, mm-hmm. especially, like, I'm such an introvert. You and I both agree on this, that often we just want to kind of, like, do our own thing. And it's so exhausting to kind of go out and share that energy with the world that it's nice to have a small network of people who are, are supportive that can feel like, you know, they're right next to you, but maybe you're miles away. So you don't have to feel isolated and lonely, but, you know, you can still do your introvert thing. Well, our problem, though, is our homes are so lovely, thanks to Joybird, that we don't want to leave very much. That is true. And let me tell you, I slept on that couch. Well, not couch. I mean, it's a couch and then pulls out into a sleeper bed. Lovely. Oh, yeah. When Sarah stayed overnight, we pulled out the Joybird's uh, sofa, sleeper, couch, and she yes. said she slept like a baby. I did. And I love any sofa couch that you can, like, pull out with, like, one finger. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good point. You know? It makes me feel like I'm, like, super strong. I'm like, <laughs> oh, look at that. I just pulled out a whole bed. Joybird is so great because you can go online and pick out, you can customize what you want. So if you want a certain color, they have... Everything from aquatic blue to hot red and coral and bubblegum pink. They have everything. Basically, if you can dream it, you can make it a reality. And they have 
uh, leather, which I didn't realize. They have velvet. Um, oh, the leather's gorgeous, Susie. That sounds nice. It's like nice. that brown color that's like t- like real mid-century modern looking. Mm. Yeah, I'm into it. Love. And they have a ton of kid and pet-friendly upholstery options, which I know a lot of people are like, I'm not going to buy new furniture if my kids are going to ruin it. But they have furniture that can hold up to that. And it's all handcrafted, so it's really made high quality, the kind that you don't really find anymore. Um, and they look freaking beautiful too. So see how Joybird can help you design your dream space. Find your joy today at joybird.com slash brain candy. Create the furniture that brings you joy at joybird.com slash brain candy. And you can go to joybird.com slash brain candy and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order. Oh, that's better than their friends and family discount. But you have to use the code BRAINCANDY to get that 25% off, and you should do it. Go see what they have. You'll love it. Well, I'm getting new uh, updated cushions to my Soto chairs that I have because I want to change the color scheme in my room. And I didn't know this until just like a few days ago that if you get one color and you're like, oh, okay, years later, I'd like to switch it up, you just replace the cushions and they they offer those separately and they're like not expensive, especially with my 25% off. I'm going to do that. Ooh, switching it up to white. I love it. I was so glad you told me about that because it never would have occurred to me that you could get like different covers and styles. Any hoodles. Oh, I wanted to tell you about how I went to see Hannah Gadsby show. I invited you, but you were busy. Um, I know. I wanted to go so bad. I it love was her. Really good. It was so good. Suze, you just you're you've been just like out and about town lately. Well, Paul McCartney, I mean, Hannah Gadsby. I mean, well, remember my New Year's resolution was more music in my life. So that's oh, what yes. um, made a lot of the concerts, like Billy Joel, Paul McCartney, all the stuff like that. But this was just because I freaking love Hannah. And um, I had seen her a couple months ago working out the material for this tour. So I wanted to Mm -hmm. go then to like the tour after she'd already, you know, after she had solidified the act. And I was so fascinated and really glad that I had gone to both because then I could compare them. Um, And it's fascinating to me how comedians work out material and add stuff and change stuff. And so that was fun to see. But one thing I just kept thinking about afterwards a lot of it is of course about patriarchy because that's what she tackles and um Mm. she was talking about this stereotype or whatever that women are so hormonal and uh irrational Mm -hmm. and emotional all that stuff and she's like we've really bought into this idea that women are emotional and men aren't and she's like but what do you think that the phrase boys will be boys means what it means is that they not only do they have hormones that then affect them but that we will Mm -hmm. give them permission to do it without any consequences oh yes that's totally true i just kept thinking about that and how you hear that phrase all the time like well even i remember when the um access hollywood thing with the uh grab them by the pussy tape came out and i was talking to my mom about it because she's a trump supporter and um, she was like, yeah, all men are like that. That's how men are. And like not even denying that this is how it is, but that it's also kind of just we just have to accept it. And like, but you can't be like that. No, no, no. But yeah, they are I mean, allowed to. I grew up in a house where the girls weren't allowed to date until they were 18, but the boys had free reign. So, oh. you know, 
Oh, God. I didn't know that one. Because boys will be boys, Sarah, and there's, like, nothing you can do about it. But I just think... I hate this. She does such a good job of taking things that we all know and have experienced, but then Mm -hmm. making you see it in a new way. Man, is she good. So funny, too. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you went to that. And that's really cool to see the evolution of a comedy act. It was. I was like, oh, she added that and she changed that. And I don't know. It was just fun. And she does a lot of um, slides of Renaissance art. And, oh, I you love know, that. like she did oh in the net as yes, well. Yes. And um, that's just so fun because she's so smart and uh, educated about art. So then when she points stuff out, like she was saying, you know, a lot of people think that men now, you, they watch porn and then they get these unrealistic ideas about women. But then she mm-hmm. showed a, an old Renaissance thing of three women who were curvy and stuff oh, which was is always the three nice graces i know exactly what she's yeah. showing but mm-hmm. no pubic hair right you know and she's like that's been around forever where women are mm-hmm. shown as not fully adult not fully human um uh-huh. and it, it does make you think you know man mm. that's true yeah it was fun if you get a chance to see her on tour, I would really recommend it. She's excellent. Oh, my God. I would love to see that. And you would That's love cool. it because they put your phone in a thing so you can't use it. Oh, you know how much <laughs> I love that. There's something I love more than getting rid of my phone. A phone-free experience. Yep. I freaking love it. Yeah. yeah you know. Um, so in a completely different uh, uh, realm of the universe. Yes. With very different audiences. Have you heard about this viral like meme thing that went around uh, uh, like people who are petitioning to uh, raid Area 51? Yes. Are you going? Oh, my God. (laughs) I am cracking up at this. I don't know why it's so funny to me. Like the (laughs) memes are hilarious and it makes me think, yeah, why haven't we done that already? What's their intention? Like they just want to know. What the hell are they hiding in there? What's so top secret? And something started, like somebody put out a tweet that was like, hey, April or no, August 30th or whatever it is, 2019, at this time, we are all charging the the gates at uh, Area 51, sign this petition. They got 1.5 million signatures and that like people confirmed they would go. And then 2.5 million or something like that of people who were like, maybe I'll go. Supportive, yeah. So is this like a warehouse or what? I mean, I don't know. I don't work for the freaking Pentagon over here. Well, you said storm the gate, so I thought you had a. Well, I don't know. I assume there are gates. I don't know. Is it underground? I don't know. I feel like I just (laughs) have seen, you know, whatever I saw on like. Yeah. uh, 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 Unsolved Mysteries or or whatever that show was. (laughs) Well, what do you you think they are keeping there? Hmm. I mean, now I think that there is, I I think that there's, I wouldn't say it's like alien life because did you ever see that movie? Um, oh crap. What was it called? Arrival? I think. No. Oh my God. It was so good. I think it's the most accurate. Um, like if aliens did come to this planet, then this is what it would be like where they communicate 
in a completely different way where it's more like thoughts and like images and it's really cool. I just thought it was so well done and like conceptually like, okay, yeah, this is kind of like what it might be like. And, you know, I just, we're not alone out there, right? If we know that, like, I feel like now it's like that we know. And mm. so I feel like it's more like technology that's hidden in there than it is oh. an actual alien life. I think it's, it's, you know, something like that. Okay. Fuck, I don't know, but I want to know. Does the government admit that there is something in there that there is uh, confidential? I- I don't know. I don't even know that. I yeah. feel like there's always these stories coming out of people who like left the, you know, some government agency and was like, yep, there definitely were. And then we talked on a previous episode about all these really credible pilots and, you know, Air Force mm-hmm. guys who are like, yep, we Something's saw some cooking. shit. And they're definitely, oh, I get chills just thinking about it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like Fox Mulder over here where I'm like, I want to believe <laughs> the truth is the truth is out there. Well, one thing that's definitely true is how well we're sleeping on our Brooklyn and sheets. Oh, amen. Guess who just got the linen ones? I'm feeling fancy because it's hot here in the summer. Do you like them? Oh, my God, Suze. It's fancy as fuck. Sorry, Brooklyn. And I'm sorry, Linda. <laughs> did you? <laughs> did you? What color did you go for in the linen? I went with the like the packet, the 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 you know big guy kit. So it's yeah. I went with a white, and you can custom. I love that you can customize it. You don't have to get everything the same color. Yeah. You know. So I got the sheet set in the natural like cream color because I figured you know like maybe yeah. I'll get a stain on them and then I'll wash them. It's no big deal. Um, and then I got the down comforter in white. Oh, that's so gorgeous. Nice. That's going to be really like, luxurious. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I got like, before I have kids and before like, you know, yeah. I don't know. Go for the I white. I got to like take advantage of like the white furniture and the white, like, I'm doing it. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, it's gorgeous. The Brooklyn Cotton that keeps you cool stuff. in the summer. Yes. Yeah, they keep you cool. They wash really well. They stay soft. The color doesn't fade. And they have this new linen collection that now Sarah is, a, is enjoying. And it's in their name, so you know it's good. Brooklyn's newest linen collection is amazing. You heard it here. I couldn't recommend their products more for graduates, newlyweds, friends, family, or treating yourself to a little bedroom upgrade. Brooklinen.com is given an exclusive offer for our listeners. Get 10% off and free shipping when you use promo code BRAIN at Brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sh- and all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off and free shipping is to use promo code BRAIN at Brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BRAIN. They're the best sheets ever. And, you know, commercial over, but uh, I, in like wanting, I really wanted linen sheets. So I was like, okay, I love Brooklyn, but like, I'm going to do my research and I'm going to like look at some, um, you know, articles that are like the top linen sheets that you can get, blah, blah, blah. They were on every single list and they were not like number two or three. And the only ones that beat them were like $500 per sheet. And I'm like, (laughs) That's right. That? That's what I love is they cut out that middleman so you can get a yeah. better deal. Every single best list I found from every single beautiful home, like home and garden, all that stuff. So I was like, oh, done deal. There we go. <laughs> okay. End of my story. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving on. Proceed um, with the rest of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was reading this article about how for the political or the um, presidential candidates, Sometimes they'll ask, 
the candidates those questions that are kind of stupid, but it'll be like, who's your hero or like, who's your favorite mm-hmm, philosopher mm-hmm. or whatever. And they asked mm-hmm. everybody who their, who their hero was. And, um, anytime that a male candidate even said a woman, it was always their wife or their mom. Oh God. Yeah. That. And I had never thought about that, but it raised an important idea about how probably because we're not really taught about women who are badasses that mm-hmm. people can't even really think of any that wow. you know yeah would be a good answer and then, what were some of the other answers people gave so um i think it i can't remember who but somebody did say harriet tubman but it was a, a woman candidate um mm-hmm. the men were saying like who the heck did they say i don't know just famous men from history, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's just mm-hmm. that when there's that many women that are running, maybe go ahead and name a woman. <laughs> right. Well, this is a perfect example of why representation matters. Yes. Because you have generations of, of you know, men and women that have only seen men put on pedestals and propped up or called a genius. Well, that's why then that book that's that, what happens. That we read Nell Scavell's book, um, Just the Funny Parts, when she mm-hmm. worked on those shows as a writer, you know, there were, she said, people hire people who look like them. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not even intentional necessarily, but if you're a white straight man, you're probably going to recommend another white straight man to take a, another job there. Like, oh, you should hire my friend. And so mm-hmm. it's really the job of the people hiring to seek out people of color and and women. I was looking at the Emmy nominations that came out and SNL was up for whatever variety show or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they listed 29 writers and only five of them were female. Oh man, that's Um, surprising. It really bumped me out and we have such a long way to go. And even like, I don't know, Colbert and these shows that are progressive, it's the same. Mm Mm-hmm. Samantha B is really the one who's uh, who's doing things true. different. Yeah, I mean, some, there is improvement, but like in this article, uh-huh. it was saying, in they did a study on history books, and of course, yeah. you know, women are discussed much less. But it was saying in an eight hundred and nineteen page history book. I mean, that is a big <laughs> ass book. Mentions yeah. of women couldn't even make up one <gasps> entire page. No, 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 uh-huh. no, 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 no. Uh-huh. Oh, my, oh, my God. Oh, oh, no. And 53% of those on that one page were just talking about women doing domestic work. Okay. Well, isn't that <laughs> okay. fun? Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. This is why I, I was recently going through all my books and like weeding through ones that I didn't need and getting rid of stuff, sending things to the Goodwill. And I have my U.S. history book from when I was in college because I had to take that in college. And um, I kept it because I'm like, I need this for historical reference later so that someday I can show my children's children how silly it was, how we wrote, like, the history books when... Because mm-hmm. I'm sure they, those are going to be, you know, like, outdated by then. I sure hope so. Yeah. Oh, God. 
you know, I feel like it, it's already it's been ten years since I took that class. I bet if I were to go back and look at it now, I would already be like, okay, well, yep, that's wrong, that's wrong. I mean, I had a very progressive teacher who was wonderful. She had us mm-hmm. read a new Jim Crow in class, and I was like the only one who was engaged in a conversation with her, and she was so upset that nobody cared. And I was like, I care. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, we should be so friends annoying. now. I love you. I'm so annoying. Like teachers love me. <laughs> Students hate me. <laughs> I really Unless would've. you get to the graduate level. But, and then they like me. So. Yeah. Well, but, I do hope things yeah. are improving and whatever, but it's, it is depressing. Like when you hear this stuff, you just think, yeah. oh, we have not come that far. Right. Didn't you, aren't you the one who told me that it's going to be like 2040 by the time things are equal for if... Yeah, what was that about? It was about something in particular. Yeah, it was like with jobs or equal pay. Maybe. Something like that, maybe like that. But that is a long time to wait, Suze. 20 (laughs) more years, you're going to be 60. Oh, my God. Stop it. Right this second. Sorry, I'm going to be almost 62. You're not very nice. And also, Suze, I'm going to age so much faster than you because of all the time I've spent out in the sun. So you can be friends with me for the rest of your life. And when I'm 40, I'll look 50. I wish that so were true. So I'll look older than you and you'll be the young looking one. Do you think that you look your age younger or older than you? Oh, good question. I think I look younger only because I don't wear makeup. Yeah. But if I put, which is, sounds so opposite of how it should be. No, if I When right. I wear makeup and I always wear like, I'm like, you know, I'm in Converse and jeans with holes in them and right now. So I look, yeah. I like dress like a teenager yeah. still. You have a youthful but, um, style. Yeah. But I, uh, I think that, um, that the sun has not been kind to me and I, I am, I know that, that I am going to be, a. uh, Oh, and you know what? Th- thanks to all the Brain Candy Brainiacs who've been listening to me talk about this subject recently, who have tagged me in posts on how to identify cancerous moles. Everyone's worried. <laughs> they are worried about me. <laughs> like, you need to go to a dermatologist ASAP. You do. I don't know so, what you're dragging your feet about. I know. I made an appointment. Get out of here. I, went, I made an appointment for, like, all my doctors last week. I was like, I got to go to the dentist. I got to go get my yearly checkup. I got to go to the dermatologist. I got to get, you know... I forget what because of that plant talk we were talking about. I was like, I take care of my plants like that. I got to do that for me. Yes, for sure. I'm glad you're rectifying that. I forget who I I was reading recently who was describing if you're really rich, you can Mm -hmm. go to this place out here where, oh, it was um, Sherry Salata who was the showrunner on Oprah's show. And when she moved out to LA, she booked this fancy place. I guess it's like a private medical center. And you go Mm -hmm. in there and you do everything, your physical, your mammogram, your pap smear, uh, your eye exam, all in one day, you have a concierge that walks you from room to room. And then you get all your tests. Everything's done. You don't wait. No problem. I mean, it costs an arm and a leg, but it's like how you want this to be for everyone damn okay that be well i'm making i i'm 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 now i'm going out in the world and i'm hustling and i'm making money just for that perk <laughs> wouldn't that be life-changing yes i'm doing it for that and i'm doing it to pay for the airport lounge the the fancy lounge that's the kind yes, of money i want i want fun. i want airport lounge and one-stop shop doctor money 
Well, besides that, there aren't any big frilly things in life that I really am like, oh, I, I need that lifestyle. No, just the lounge at the airport and, and one stop shop. If you are traveling and you have a couple extra bucks, like Sarah, then why don't you buy well, some liquid, <laughs> liquid IV? It yes. is the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Everybody is loving it. They keep tagging me. And oh, my friend Samantha, she went to, I believe she's in Israel. And she oh. took liquid IV with her and like, you know, it's the friggin' desert and hot as heck. And she said it was a lifesaver for her um, because it's a little packet of powder that you just add to your water and then it hydrates you two to three times faster than just a normal bottle of water. And it's so easy to travel with like Samantha's doing or just take it with you in the car or when you're out with your kids after their soccer practice and stuff like that. It is really handy. Mm-hmm. Um and we you love- can open up pretty much every bag that I own, and in a pocket you will find a liquid IV for emergency <laughs> uses purposes. When Sarah and I were out, we were looking for her vape pen because, you know, she has needs, and I saw some you know. liquid IV, but no vape pen, so <laughs> maybe that was right. for the I best. Le- I, le- I left it at home, yeah. We love I had to enjoy IV. the comedy club sober. <laughs> we know you will too. Right now, our listeners get 25% off at liquidiv.com when you use our code BRAINCANDY at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Go to liquidiv.com and enter promo code BRAINCANDY to get your savings. Start getting better hydration. That's liquidiv.com, promo code BRAINCANDY. Don't wait. Start properly hydrating today. And I didn't say this, but they have a different, all different flavors too. They're yummy. Oh, yeah. And you know what? It's probably better I didn't uh, smoke weed before that comedy show since we had an earthquake and I probably would have been like freaking out. Yeah. What's happening, man? The whole earth is moving. (laughs) What if I was like, This comedy act is really, really ground shaking. (laughs) So it's better you had liquid IV. Yep. Instead, Uh, I have that. um, Okay, wait. What else did I want to tell you? Okay, wait. Okay. Okay. Hold on. So, mm-hmm. oh, I thought this was interesting. You know how everyone claims that kids can learn languages really fast because they're like sponges? Everyone always says yeah. that. Well, uh-huh. well what? Okay. I just want to say it's, it's because language is developing in a different area of the brain pre-adolescence. So you're almost getting a two-for-one special on where you're learning it in the brain. It's like Brokaw's area and another area can't remember what it's called but it it stops you stop processing language in that other part of your brain after about 12 or 13 years old so i think maybe though that that's what this article was saying is a myth now or a uh (gasps) whatever wait like what i just said is a myth yeah because it was saying that the truth is that they learn it the exact same but it's Uh really just the amount of time they're exposed to the language Oh, like in in comparison to how long they've like been alive? Yeah, well, no, just that when kids are exposed to language, it's usually because they live with someone that speaks that or like in Lincoln's case, his nanny speaks Spanish. Yes. So he's just right. around it way more than if you're an adult trying to learn. You're oh. only dedicating like 30 minutes a day or whatever to it. So it's like more immersive. Yeah, and they're they're basically just saying like adults can learn that well too if they are in that position, but they're usually not. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I know. Yeah. That's how I felt. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go back and and give that one a a little look see and see if maybe anything has changed since I mean, like, you know, just like the US history books, 
the one of the best and worst things about the field of psychology and about learning about the brain and all that stuff is we're learning stuff new stuff every single day so the old rules are getting rewritten and we're like oh remember that thing we said like a few years ago turns out totally not true it's actually this i so, do hate you know, that it's like oh you know and then when you're in school learning that stuff you just learn that as like oh this is the you know this is the truth yeah and then everything is like with a little asterisk of like true right be, <laughs> it didn't change right. later you yeah. Know? Yeah. But so, I mean, yeah. on one hand, I hope that it's true because then if you're an adult that wants to learn a language, you shouldn't feel defeated. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, I'm thinking, wait a minute, anecdotally, it sure as heck seems like they yeah. learn it a lot faster. It really is. And then you think about, so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about as we've, we've talked about this with like fear and how it's really our experiences in the world that then, and even what we were talking about, I think like just last episode about how your brain is like automatically defaults and like gives you the whatever, like take shortcuts. Yeah. And the shortcuts are based on your experiences out there in the world and gathering information. And if you're a child who has had limited experiences, then you, your mind is kind of more open to multiple possibilities and it's not really creating, I think it's probably not taking those shortcuts as fast because it hasn't had the chance to learn that shortcut. So maybe there's less kind of like distraction and chaos happening in the mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm into that. I don't know. Yeah. I think the jury's still out. Yeah. I just love any subject that we can then just like unpack and yeah because it's not here's the thing with all these studies and stuff including the ones about food where they're like salt is terrible salt's the best whatever those kind of things i think part of the problem is that the scholarship is nuanced but that the media needs clickbait and they need like the flashy headline and so they distill it down into this little repeatable chunk that doesn't represent the nuance of the data. And so then yes. we walk around with like half information. We've seen this tons of times on our show where we it's, <laughs> get stuff yes. wrong. Right? It's the friggin' 10,000 hour rule thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, that there's so much more that went into that. And thank goodness our friend David Epstein, friend of the Brain mm-hmm. Candy podcast, went into that on the sports gene about like, what is that study yeah, really what are we showing? really talking about? Mm-hmm. You know? You're talking like 10,000 hours of people who already are, have skills in that area, like basketball players or professional violin players, not like, you know, whoevs. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important to kind of like, you know, look and dive deeper into those things and, and say like, what's really going on, you know? Yes. How about how um, there have been a bunch of fires that have been happening at sushi restaurants, which is particularly funny given how little flame is used at a sushi restaurant. Oh um, my God. Why is this happening? You know, those little tempura flakes they put on top of rolls sometimes. Yes. Well, <laughs> you're like, but that's the most delicious part. <laughs> you're like, where are you going with this? Well, evidently those tempura flakes are highly flammable and sometimes because of what they're made of they can self-ignite so what it's are like a you <laughs> saying it's like a bale of hay but then with you know i guess there's some sort of oil because i guess the tempura flakes are fried at some point uh-huh 
Uh huh. And then packaged really tightly, and then they can just self-emulate. <laughs> oh my gosh, sushi with a side of fireworks. Yeah, and like these sushi places are burning to the ground. They've had five. This is. Restaurants. Fine. <laughs> How come we're not hearing about this till now? <laughs> is this some I, sort of manufacturing problem of the tempura flakes? It sure seems like it. They've got to find a that's, new yeah. way to package these guys. That seems silly. Mm-hmm. That I remember there were a few, not a few years, but it's probably like maybe 15 years ago now. There were uh, buzzing around the internet were these articles on acrylic nails catching on fire and how Wait, like your why? manicure could be. Like there's something about the certain nail polishes or whatever. Like if you got too close to an open flame and had acrylic nails, that they would like catch on fire. And I was like always terrified that my fingernails were going to catch on fire, oh, even though so it didn't it have would acrylic be like nails. If they got close to yes, yes, something. not like spontaneously combusting, like or the tempura flakes. You know what? That makes unquote, sense though because they are right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, that stuff would be an acetone and all that stuff. Oh, that's flammable. But so, why is it that it was just happening for a while and now it's fine? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like one of these things where like the news comes out and we're all like, whoa, that's crazy. And then it dies down and people like totally forget about it. And I'm like, wait, are nails still catching on fire, people? Yeah, because I like, feel like oh, the tempura flakes, what, what would have changed with those guys? I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like there's, there's something weird going on. <laughs> Someone's getting a little what crazy other weird, with the what, what, Yeah. I'm trying to think of other things that were products that like, or something, you know, the only thing that my mind goes to is like razor blades and Halloween candy or like that kind of yeah. like, those like fear, yeah. you know, things that come out every Well, then so there often. was the Samsung phones that were igniting. Oh, yep, yep, yep. I mean, but those like really were igniting. Did they start? But then we stopped out? hearing about them. Right. They must yeah. have figured it out. I would out. imagine they sorted that, they, they fixed that. That seems like a big one. The people yeah. in white coats. Yeah, right, exactly. They. Well, there was yeah. a a little girl. I love when little kids sort of notice problems and then work on, um, you know, looking into it. She was starting to think about, you know, when little kids go in, and this happens to Lincoln all the time, and if they go to use a hand dryer in a bathroom, mm-hmm. they it hurts their ears and he'll cover his ears. Oh, yeah. It's so loud. And she had called all the manufacturers and they didn't have a lot of data on the decibels that the machines yeah. go to, but that they claimed they were safe. And she's like, well, maybe they just tested with adult height. And they I thought did. this was so clever. Yeah. So she went around and with a little machine and measured the output of the decibel level and okay. determined how they were actually at a harmful level for little ears. Oh, this is a little girl who did this? Yeah, she's 13. Okay, well, she's a genius. Yeah. And that's a badass bitch of the week right there. <laughs> I freaking love her. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. And shout out to those parents who are yeah. encouraging that kind of curiosity and also follow through and questioning, you know, authority, yeah. sort of. Not really Yeah, her mom but like, said you know, that just- they had a great time. They actually really enjoyed going and finding different manufacturers and testing them and checking, and it's really cool. Oh, my gosh. This is great. I encourage this in for, like, what other... Pro- I mean, the, yeah, because kids, they have a different view of the world than we do. We totally forget. Yeah. I mean, even little things that you can do. I, we were in the pool the other day, and 
Lincoln was like, we, someday we should empty the pool and fill it up with LaCroix. And I was, like, the, I was like, can you think of maybe some problems with that idea? Oh, and, good question, Susie. Oh, my God, you're the best parent. I and love he was like, he really had to think about it, but then he was like, sticky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I love was- that he goes to mess. My mind is like, <laughs> it would take you a long time to pop open all those bottles. My <laughs> right. finger would be sore. Sarah's thinking about supply and demand. Yes, I'm I thinking am. about cleaning. Like, I don't up. think there's enough LaCroix in all of Southern California, not with these hipsters. <laughs> True. But yeah, I love the idea because it's not on the top of your head all the time as a parent to be engaging. But when you do, it's pretty fun because they have good answers for shit like that. And the um, thing, they're asking questions all the time. Yeah. And if you flip that, and at a certain point, parent, you know, I, I'm not a parent, but as a nanny, I knew this where I was like, oh, God stop like that's enough questions and the only thing that worked and it works every time is if you flip it on them yeah you know, well, what do you think yeah, happens and like just like you said with lincoln where he like had to think about it for a long time that's all they want to do they're they want a task they want to engage yeah. they want to like think about something really just like, from think, boredom yes mm-hmm. and then they're like oh i love it i love it i love it that's like five minutes there you go check well Another solution to a problem is Quip toothbrushes. I don't know if you guys ever had one of those gigantic ass electric toothbrushes that mm-hmm. <laughs> take up all the space in your bathroom and are the worst. Well, Quip is and the they get opposite. nasty. They do. What what that stuff that gets between the chart the the brush and the base? Mm, it's <laughs> gross. That's the grossest. Quip yeah, is so much better. problem with my Quip toothbrush. Yeah, because they send you a new head every three months. So, like, when you get the new head, you take off the old one, use the old one to, like, clean uh, the parts so everything gets good as new. Then you put the new one on. It's very uh, cathartic. And it has the vibrations, of course, every 30 seconds. It reminds you to switch sides. And it tells you how long you need to brush. And they just look so much better. But also, they're great for travel, like I always say, you can take the thing off the mirror and then put the on the head so it has a cap, and that way you can take it on the go for your vacation. And there's a three-month battery life as well on that thing, so you don't have to worry about that. That's why we love Quip. And um, why Sarah's probably taking it on all her like, jet-setting. Where are you going, Mexico? She's going like, Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Nashville. See, With she's going to take her Quip, and it starts at just 25 bucks. And if you go to getquip.com slash braincandy right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash braincandy. Yeah. What the heck do they make that sticky stuff that sticks to the mirror out of? Because <laughs> right. I had that off my mirror for like months and in my bag. And then I went to go see. I'm like, this probably won't stick anymore. It does. Yeah. What is that? Uh, yeah, I'm like, I need this tape for everything. What if they're like, it's LaCroix? <laughs> Stop being hilarious. <laughs> it's like, what, what can LaCroix fix? <laughs> do you even like that stuff? You do. You like that stuff, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get that all the time. Yeah, I'm into it too. Well, we have to. We live in LA. Well, you're actually a millennial. I'm not, but yeah. yeah I am. The there was a millennial like, quiz online. It was like, how millennial are you? And it was like all these things. I like was proud to say I didn't even know what 25% of those things on there were. Was it the one just about food? It may have been about food. Yeah. Because I did that too. And I had gotten only, I got eight, which made me basic. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was basic too. I was yeah. like, oh, look at that. I was like, but I love avocado toast. It should count for two. Yeah, I do love avocado toast. But a lot but of them I only was like, like that avocado weird... toast with egg. What's that? I only like it with an egg. Wait. Oh, how do you make it? Avocado, like, like avocado salt and pepper. toast, and then you just like put an egg on the top. Oh, that sounds great. I know. It feels like it's not enough with just the toast. Yeah. I always ask for an egg on top. Yeah, we yeah. have needs over here. We're growing women. Yeah. This is, you know, neither here nor there, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I anyway. Uh, read a thing about fast food workers. It was so interesting. Oh, yeah. Tell like, me. So, you know how you often hear politicians being like, oh, yeah, like I used to work flipping burgers, like if they're a man of yeah. the people or whatever. Yeah. Right. And most of them, if they did do that, were doing it in like the 1980s. And it's totally different now. And it's so much worse for workers. And I, mm-hmm. I admittedly didn't realize this myself and how the automation of business has made it so that Let's, for example, let's say you start work at 9 a.m. If yeah. you clock in at 9.01, you'll get penalized. Oh, and yep. so what a lot of people have to do, and remember, these are people most of whom are, the average age of a fast food worker is 29. So these aren't kids. These right. are adults. A lot of them have kids of them their own. And instead of getting penalized, then they have to leave home 20 minutes early to make sure they're not going to clock in late. So then they're losing a lot of their time trying to beat mm-hmm. the system and avoid being penalized rather than just having a system where you're paid for a minute less, you know? Right. Oh my God. So they gave That's, a lot yeah. of examples of that where they do, they understaff kind of on purpose yeah. and then they just tell the skeleton crew to like hustle more. And it's... Ugh. To save them $10, you know, for the employee that they didn't bring in for an hour. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I it didn't really know this. Didn't see it. How, like, they schedule. It's an, autom- an algorithm that schedules people, which I didn't know that. And so Me neither. They do it based on traffic flow of the restaurant, which changes all the time. So... They don't know. Their schedule isn't even consistent. Yeah, their schedule's not consistent, and they don't even know if they're working until like two days before. Oh, forget that. Yeah, and so they can't plan plan their whole life. Yeah. Could you imagine if you had a dentist appointment? Right. What do you do? Right, and you just have to hope and then maybe switch if you get scheduled, and it's a pain and it's terrible. Oh my gosh, that is not good at all. Because if you're removing sort of the human element where, let's say, back when I was working those kind of jobs, you just tell your boss, I'm not available on this day or that, and they can rearrange the schedule maybe. This is all like... that's what a boss is supposed to do. A shift manager, that's what they do. They manage the shifts. It's almost like they're purposely creating distance, so it's like, oh, it's the computer did it. Yes. Oh my God. You're so right. And if you think about it, if a computer does it, it's a fast algorithm, blah, blah, blah. Then they don't have to pay that shift manager to sit for the time to sit down and mm-hmm. write the schedule. When I was working at, no, I mean, I, I have very little experience with one of these kinds of jobs, but the one big corporate company I worked for was Nordstrom and I hated it because they were like that with us clocking in and out where it 
and I was so nervous. I would like run to go, you know, and they put the, this is different than fast food, but they, it's in a big, you know, department store. The place where you have to clock in is way in the back, like in the warehouse, you know, like where they have, not warehouse, but you know, like in the stock room or like employee area. And then the rest of like where the restaurants will be, where you go eat lunch or whatever, will be like a 15 minute walk to the yeah. other side of the mall or the other side. So I'm like, I'm spending half and I add a half an hour. So it's like I clock in, then I like run to go eat my food and then I have to like run back and I have five minutes and if I'm, and I got talked to for being like two minutes late on the clocking in. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. What do they you know, do? There should Write be like a five minute grace period. Uh, you know, I think I was in like a, a, I never got fired or anything. I ended up just, I left and went, went to Gucci because, you know, it's Gucci. Um, but it was, it, I definitely, you know, butted heads with my shift manager yeah. over stupid thing where it's like, and here's the thing. It's not even their fault because they're yeah, reporting to right. some other boss who's then, they're coming down on. And it's like, and I heard this from a Nordstrom employee recently that like everybody's stressed out there. Yeah. Like all the employees, like there's so many different departments where now they have, you know, to hit certain numbers and like the customer service is just, it's not what it used to be because no, and nobody's about taking care of the customer and just having that enjoyable shopping experience. It's about the bottom line and getting the most money and making sure that, you know, your shifts, like the, I, one woman who was doing my makeup once at a Nordstrom counter was like t- telling me way too much. And she was like, yeah, and, and this is going on and this is going on. And I was just <laughs> like, damn. Things are messy at Nordstrom. Well, so and it's like if that's that that's there, imagine what fast food is like. The people that we're penalizing too are if we're at a fast food place, I mean they get berated, they get stuff thrown at them, and they're making eight dollars an hour, you know? Right. And it's just a real bummer. And my uh, yeah. I just think about those people, how hard they have to work for such a small yeah. amount of money. Yeah. But oh, I was glad man. to read it, though, because I didn't realize how automation was affecting workers in that way, apart from maybe at Amazon or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's good that we're talking about all these things. And I was just going to say this reminds me of our Amazon warehouse story. Yeah. It's and important just to kind of to like make a living. peel back the curtain and, and be like, mm, this is what's actually going on back there. And I feel like it changes how... like me, I can only speak for myself as a consumer, um, interacts with these people who work at the places or even my, my shopping on Amazon. Like, oh my God, after learning that, I, no joke, have not bought one thing on Amazon recently. Oh, that's good. And not because it's like, I don't need something, but I'm like, you don't, you don't really need this right mm-hmm. now. And you're mm-hmm. going to like, come on, send somebody at two o'clock in the morning when you want to buy like <laughs> something stupid. Yeah. You, know? you have to be more mindful. Like, yeah, I was more mindful, and I it I think it'll also knowing this about you know fast food workers or employees. Um, you know, maybe when I'm at the drive-through line next, uh, I will be like extra. I mean, you know, I try to be extra nice anyway. But if I'm having one of those bad days, I'll just remember that their day is probably a lot more yeah. stressful than mine. Yes, be thankful you know? if you have a good job yeah. you like. You're lucky. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Speaking of fast food things, cause now you've just reminded me of this that I wanted to like share with you like in our regular life, because I'm like, why would I talk about this in the podcast? But <laughs> turns out here we are. Um, I was driving through El Pollo Loco, shout out to El Pollo Loco that kept me alive during grad school. <laughs> shout out to um, El Pollo Loco. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're California bowl. Thank you. Avocados. Love it. Um, uh, uh, now I'm thinking about food. Where was I going with this story? Oh, yes. <laughs> so at the drive through line, when you go to the window, there's a sign up there that says, honk if you love our food. Nobody wants us to do that. <laughs> Why is that sign there? A, I, me is like, and I'm always at El Pollo Loco at like way late at night because it means like I missed, you know, like it's like 11 o'clock. I'm like, the, the people at the window don't want me to honk. The businesses no. around me, the people who are, live in this neighborhood don't want me to honk. Yeah. Why is this on the window? El Pollo yeah. Loco, I love your food, but I hate your marketing. <laughs> right. This seems like a bad idea that somehow That's what I'm saying. With. Mm-hmm. Right. So next time I'm going, I'm going to have to go through the drive. Maybe I did take a picture of this. I might have taken a picture of it because I was like, I have to. Yeah, I think I did. I have to just show this to Susie because I'm like, this seems like a the, who whose idea was this? Not somebody who actually goes to fast food or works there. This was like somebody in the advertising department who like eats avocado toast and is like, <laughs> I've I got know. an idea. Yeah, <laughs> honk if you like da 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 because they're in the car. No. We don't want you to do that. No. Bad idea. Back to the drawing board. In general. it's at every single location. I I really reject all calls for honking. That Like, you know, when you pass picketers and, you know, it says honk for equal pay or whatever the heck. Yes, yes. I don't know. Uh, Maybe we could say, like, if you aren't honking, honking, we'll assume you support us. Yes, I like, want to say that. It. That's exactly it. Just like <laughs> sit there silently and do nothing if you agree with this. And, and like you're at El Pollo like Loco, you obviously like it. Obviously, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know how there's other places open right now? I'm not there. I'm here. Right. I don't need a honk. I already drove here. <laughs> and, it's fine. And I don't need your sign. <laughs> what you do need though is stamps.com because it eliminates the hassle of shipping because you can print out any kind of postage you need 24 7 for any letter package class of mail wherever you're sending it right from your house or office wherever you are slap it on your package and put it out and your postal worker will pick it up it's that simple you get discounts on stamps 40 percent off on priority mail it's so great. It's a no-brainer. It'll save you time and money. We love it. We mm-hmm. use it for all of our uh, stuff we ship from our offices. And right now, our listeners will get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Brain Candy. That's stamps.com. And enter Brain Candy. And now, also, we have a guest today. Sarah, Ooh, you, she, Sarah, oh, finally, I know about this. Yeah, <laughs> we decided <laughs> it was essential for Sarah to come uh, and interview our guest, who is Lori Gottlieb. She's the author of the amazing book. Maybe you should talk to someone. She is. Does she have an MFT or is she something else? Oh uh, she, no, she's an LMFT. Yeah. Okay. So she's a therapist, and she wrote a wonderful book describing so her. Good you know, career, but also, and her patients, but also like her own uh, journey with therapy and uh, breakups and things like that, that have affected her. It is so fun. And it was really fun to talk to her. Did you enjoy it, Sarah? Oh my God. I've been bragging about this interview to everyone (laughs) who 
has ever been a part of my MFT experience program, whatever. I'm like, oh my God, guess what I did? Oh my God, guess who I talked to? And guess what? She's just as amazing as you would think. Yeah. And she's she really got that has voice. A gift. She's got the therapist voice. Does I, she? Every, when I, and I listen to her, I listen to, you know, her interviews and all that. And I'm like, yeah, that yeah. is, that's the voice. It's so soothing and relaxing and I love it. And I feel like I'm in a session. She does a great job of describing what it's like to be a therapist, which you wouldn't know unless you were one, and mm-hmm. also what it's like to receive therapy. And that's all mm-hmm. relatable. Or if you've never been to therapy, this can help you understand the process and different yes. approaches. And it's also funny and fun to hear about people's cuckoo behavior because we all have I cuckoo love behavior. love that. Hello. <laughs> we sure do. So you'll definitely want to read this book. Maybe you should talk to someone by Lori Gottlieb. Um, but also just listen to the interview and see what you think she talks about. You know, if you have someone in your family that doesn't want to go to therapy, she describes maybe some techniques on how to convince them that they will like it or that they should try it. Um, yes. What else do we talk to her about? Mm, we talked to her about um, how she appealed to both therapists and clients and yeah. how, like, no nobody, who's done that? Mm-hmm. And, like, tackle, like, you know best of both worlds and therapists are loving this book and using it as a resource and clients are loving this book so that's like mm-hmm. everybody and we love her yeah she's really uh, uh easy read and she was a fun interview so enjoy um our interview with Lori gottlieb Lori, congratulations on your book thanks for coming on brain candy thank you so much for having me we we're so excited to chat with you. Sarah is just got her MFT, yes. so she's fangirling I'm over associate you. Associate officially, and I just I did can't not wait know to go that. Brag. Congratulations! Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I'm just so excited to brag to all of my therapist friends that I got to talk with you because your book is like all we're talking about around the clinic. I know. How's that feel to be like a celeb in your world? Yeah, I don't think of myself that way. It all so, um, you know. I just i i um, i think it's funny that that a lot of people are are saying things like that because um, you know I really just I'm bringing people into my world in in this book, but I, I also think that it's it's very much the world of anybody who either is a therapist or has been to therapy or knows someone in therapy. Um, so I just think that I'm simply representing everybody else. It feels like there was almost a kind of a gap in the market where people were just dying for a book like this. Why, why do you think that that is? You know, I think that this book is so much about the parts of our lives that we don't talk about, but that everybody mm-hmm. is thinking about. So I think that especially with Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, you know, I think that we know that we're getting, um, you know, curated versions of people's lives. But what I get to see every day are the real versions. And I think that that's what resonates with people is this idea that, oh, they're not alone or, oh, this person thinks that too or this person struggles with that too. And not only that people are struggling with it, but I think there's something very inspiring about knowing that there's a way out, knowing that, um, you know, even in these very deep struggles that people move forward and that it doesn't look like a movie. There's not like a big aha moment, mm-hmm. um, but that little by little, their lives get better. And I think that that's what we're all looking for is that, the you know, the richness of the human experience in that way and, and the real version of it. Do you think that the only thing that is necessary of 
uh, client is that they are just willing to keep trying? No. <laughs> tell me. Tell me what no. is the truth. Like, what um, is necessary? I always say that therapy involves being both vulnerable and accountable. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you come every week and you're reporting on all of these things, but you're not making changes out in the world, you're not being accountable Um, we like to say that insight is the booby prize of therapy, that you can have all the insight in the world, but if you don't make changes out in the world, the insight is useless. Mm So if people come in and they say, oh, now I understand why I keep dating people who, you know, aren't right for me, but then they go out and they date exactly the same kind of people, (laughs) you're not going outside of your comfort zone. You're not doing anything with what you're learning about yourself in the room. And one of the, I think, great things about, the therapeutic experience is that we hold up a mirror to people and help them to see their reflections in a completely different way than the people out there will do for them. You know, our friends are offer what I like to call idiot compassion, right? Mm -hmm. They, you know, it's like, yeah, that guy was a jerk. You're right. Um, You know, yeah, your boss is this way or your mom is this way. And a therapist will offer wise compassion, which is to say, what is your role in all of this? You know, what are you doing that is, limiting yourself um, and it really forces you to to take action I think people don't think of therapy as, as an active thing but it really is we, we really want you to take action between sessions and if you're not we're going to call you on it yeah that's hard though man yeah, it, is. it is I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> it is hard it is, so I think yeah. if you're signing up for if you're signing up for that experience it's not an hour of head nodding it's not an hour of mm-hmm. let me just download my week and you're gonna validate my experience and I'm gonna leave and feel better that'll feel better in the short term um, but it won't help you in the long term and we're really playing the long game I was thinking about I think a lot of people are in this position where I think that the younger generation is more um, accepting of therapy and it's not as stigmatized but like someone like my mom, for example, were all like, oh, you need to go. And she thinks it's, you know, crazy, which a lot of older people think it's, you know, fooey. And so I want to know for people like us, how do we convince maybe someone we love that this is worthwhile and will be helpful and a positive thing for them? That's such a great question um, because I think that a lot of people in your mom's generation think, well, yeah, you know, I'm feeling this or that, or I'm having trouble with this, but, you know, stiff upper lip, I have a roof over my head and food on the table, so why do I need to go whine is how they probably look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, you know, I should just put on my big girl panties and move on. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think that what happens is just because you, um, a feeling is inconvenient and you decide to ignore it doesn't mean that it's going to go away that actually when you push down your feelings, they get stronger. And Mm -hmm. they don't come out necessarily in a straightforward way, but they come out in behaviors. They come out in things like insomnia or um, Mm. controlling behavior or anxiety or self-sabotage or short-temperedness or whatever it is. Um, And I think that it's funny because if it were a physical symptom, if, if somebody's 
feeling like something's off in their body, they're going to go get that checked yeah. out before, say, they have a massive heart attack, right? But yeah. if something feels off emotionally, so often people will not get it checked out. Um, we'll feel like, well, it's nothing or it's not a priority or, you know, that's just a sign of weakness and I don't need to go talk to somebody about this. And then they have the equivalent eventually of an emotional heart attack. And that's when they end up in therapy, if they do mm-hmm. at all. Um, mm-hmm. And why why suffer so much? So I think for people like your mom, you know, the question is, what's the downside? Um, and And, you know, why not just try it, try a session and see what it's like and see what it's like to sit there. And if she doesn't like it, she doesn't like it. Um, but it kind of plants the seed that there is another way to um, deal with something that might not be working. Yeah. You know, you talked uh, in the book about this idea of tolerating pain because it's more comfortable often than even having to change or, you know, having possibilities And I was wondering for people who maybe feel like I don't even know where to start and how does this change happen? Like what does kind of get the ball rolling to make change or like the idea of having possibilities more tolerable? The thing about change is that even positive change is hard to make because we always have to give something up when we change. And sometimes what we're giving up is the familiar thing that even if it made us miserable, at least we knew what it was and we were comfortable Mm -hmm. there. Um, If you change, you have to go into uncharted territory. You have to go outside of your comfort zone. You have to go into uncertainty. And I think for most of us, um, you know, our natural inclination is to cling to certainty, even if the certainty was unpleasant. Um, And so, you know, making change requires effort on our part. It requires intentionality, Um, We can't just kind of, you know, float along the way that we've been doing and and change at the same time. You have to do something different. So I think that uh, another misconception about change is that people think you make a change and it's this concrete thing, but it's not. It's like these tiny little Mm -hmm. steps that you take that add up over time to a much greater change that then becomes tangible that you can see. So in the therapy room, every week I'm seeing these almost heroic moments where people are making these tiny, almost microscopic changes week to week. Um, You know, they didn't react this way to their partner. Um, They decided not to engage in this. They decided to to explore the idea of grad school, but they're not going to do it yet. Um, You know, these little changes that then over time add up to five years later, wow, look where I am. I'm so different from the person I was five years ago. Yes. Yeah, that's so great. You know, we talk about it on the podcast as being like having uh, to work out your mental health the same way as your physical health and like going to the gym and working on different muscle groups and you don't just like go in once and leave a bodybuilder with abs and how it's like different groups and learning how to use them and learning what, how you activate them, where the heck are they? And so, you know, trying to keep that in mind with mental health is so hard for Mm -hmm. us to do. It's like we understand it so deeply with physical health, but that... I don't know that it just doesn't seem like we have the same idea about mental health that way. Right. And at the same time, I think we also don't realize how important it is in terms of how it affects every area of our lives. Mm -hmm. It it affects our relationships. It affects um, our careers. It it affects, um, you know, our families. It affects the people around us. Um, So the quality of our emotional lives affects every area 
area of our lives and of the lives of people who are in our lives. And I think that so much of the time people don't realize the impact that their, you know, their uh, kind of, (laughs) let's just say, emotional baggage Mm-hmm. Um, has on the day-to-day life of not only themselves, but the people around them. One of the things that was so um, fun as a reader of your book was that you do describe your patients and the different types of uh, challenges they're facing, but you also were quite vulnerable and open about some of your own challenges. I think a lot of people aren't used to hearing that from a therapist, certainly not their own. And um, I just think that that resonated with the reader and I'm wondering if for you that was a difficult decision to get vulnerable and talk about your own (laughs) struggles and relationship issues etc yeah well originally the idea was that I I was supposed to be writing a book about happiness and this happiness book was making me miserable because um (laughs) I I was it was literally depressing me the irony wasn't lost on me that that I couldn't write the happiness book because I was too depressed to write it But, but it was It had to do with the fact that I was starting out as a therapist and I felt like the happiness book was sort of scratching the surface of everything that Mm. I was seeing in the therapy room. And also, once you start doing therapy, you realize that happiness is kind of beside the point, that happiness as a byproduct of living a fulfilling life is absolutely Mm. an admirable goal and one we should all have. But happiness as the end goal, as the goal itself, is a recipe for disaster. And I couldn't write that book and I, I canceled the book contract and I decided I wanted to bring people into the therapy room so they could see all of the stuff that I couldn't write about in the happiness book. And I was going to just tell the stories of these patients because I thought that people would see themselves in, these, in the stories of these patients. But then I realized I'm leaving out a whole dimension of this story. I was going through an upheaval in my own life at the same time that I was treating these patients. And if I didn't include that, it would almost feel fraudulent because I feel like one of the major, I think, takeaways from the book is that we're more the same than we are different. And I say at the very beginning of the book that one of my greatest credentials is that I'm a card-carrying member of the human race, that I use my (laughs) humanity as a therapist. If If I haven't lived, if I haven't gone through struggles, how will I help people with their struggles? So I don't talk about myself in the therapy room at all, but I use my life experience Mm -hmm. to help them with their, their experiences. And so, um, I really felt it was important for me not to be the expert up on high, but to be just another human being in the room. And so I become the fifth patient in the book. So we have the stories of these four very different patients and what they're going through. And then we have this fifth patient and that's me going through something very specific at the same time. And it's so great that you were able to do that because I really think it bridged that gap between books for therapists and books for, you know, regular people who are going to therapy. Yeah. And I mean, when this book was, we had clients who were coming into the clinic who were talking about this book, who were recommending this book. And, you know, before I had even picked it up or heard about it, I was like, oh, what these clients are going to tell me I need to read a book about. Okay, <laughs> thanks, guys. I got it. And then... All of a sudden, I started hearing it around the clinic from the therapists of like, no, 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 you guys have got to read this. This is really good. And it really does such a beautiful job of uh, like illustrating that human experience and also the connection that being vulnerable creates in the room. And I feel like that, just like talking about Susie and her mom, who maybe is a little resistant to going to therapy or maybe a lot resistant to going to therapy, 
that seeing that like therapists, they're people too. And it's not this kind of like old school view of the therapist behind a clipboard and somebody laying on the couch and, you know, you kind of having all the knowledge and them being like a total mess. And that just like opens the door for change and healing. And so it's just so great that you went there and were able to be vulnerable because I see it as the reader who like likes this as a patient and also as a therapist. Yeah. So just thanks for yeah. all that. <laughs> no question. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I think that's why, you know, a lot of the book is really funny too, that I think a lot of things that have been written about therapy have been very clinical or very serious. Yeah. And yeah. while there are certainly um, serious issues that, that are written about in the book, um, you know, I wanted, I wanted the humor and the, the joy and the lightness and, and, and the ridiculousness of the human condition to come <laughs> yeah. across that, you know, we're also ridiculous as human beings. And I think if we can laugh mm. at ourselves, it takes away the shame. So many of us are hiding all of these things about ourselves because we think, oh, my God, people will think I'm not normal or you know, something's wrong with me. But we're all ridiculous in that way. We all think these things that we think are weird or abnormal or we do <laughs> things that we think are weird or abnormal, but they're so normal. And I think that it's, it, it, it's such a relief when you write about this and other people say, I do that too, or I thought that too, or I thought I was the only one. And you can laugh about that connection, that we're all sort of connected by the ways that we trip ourselves up, the ways that we keep doing the same thing over and over and ending up in the same place and not realizing it until finally it clicks and you make those changes. I had asked um, some of our listeners if they had any questions for you. And one of our listeners, Kimmy, um, she said that she loves you, number one, and you're one of her favorite humans. And Thank she, you, um, Kimmy. <laughs> and she wanted to know um, something that was discussed in our book club meeting, which was how did you manage the sort of confidentiality issue with the stories about your patients? Yeah, it's funny because I think in the audiobook version, they don't put the author's note that's in the hardcover version where I explain this. And um, I really wanted to put that up front because I didn't want people to be distracted by this question of, well, wait, how is yeah. she writing about these people? And I can't focus on the book. Um, so I got permission to write about everybody that I wrote about. And um, I had also written about people throughout my career because I had been a journalist before I was a therapist. And so before people even come in my office, um, in my informed consent, they know that they might be written about as long as I diligently disguise any identifying details. But this was different because this was, you know, it wasn't just like a New York Times piece where I'm mentioning an anecdote that happened in the yeah. therapy room. But I'm really writing in, you know, much more comprehensively about these people. So I really had to not only get permission, but be very, very careful about changing anything that could identify them, which was in this age of the internet was much harder than mm -hmm. one might imagine. <laughs> I was um, curious about one thing that you mentioned in the book, which was about the prescription that you had, or it was mistakenly given to you for, I think it was an antidepressant and then it mm -hmm. kept getting called out at pharmacies and you were like, Oh crap, <laughs> if any of my clients are here. And I was just curious about that because I had never thought of what would happen if my therapist were on medication and it wouldn't bother me. But do you feel like that would bother a lot of your clients if they knew you were perhaps on this type of medication? I think there's a, a strange double standard, which is that on the one hand, 
people who come to see us want us to be human. They want us to just be people in the world. Um, because otherwise, you know, nobody wants to go to like a robot, right? Nobody wants to go to somebody mm-hmm. who hasn't lived life um, and isn't real um, in that way. But at the same time, I think that they don't want to, they don't want to know about it. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like when you're a kid, like, you know, your parents have sex, but you never want to yeah. ever go anywhere near that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like, you know, that you, you somehow were born, you know, conceived, but, um, <laughs> you, we don't want to know that the one time and that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's so not think, so much so think, about, so I think I think what happens is, you know, I, I write this anecdote in the beginning of the book where a colleague of mine was in a Starbucks when her and she had been trying to get pregnant for so long and and she was finally pregnant and her doctor called her and she picked up all in the Starbucks and the doctor said that her pregnancy wasn't viable and she and her husband had been through, you know, oh. so much to get to this point. And she started crying in the Starbucks and her patient happened to walk into the Starbucks, oh. saw her crying, left and never came back to therapy. <gasps> And so when you ask, you know, what would it be like if someone, um, you know, had been standing in that line at the CVS where they were saying, here's your antidepressant, um, which I, which, you know, it was even doubly mortifying because it was, I was not actually on that medication. Um, (laughs) But it shouldn't be mortifying, right? I mean, even if I were on it, it shouldn't be mortifying that, you know, like someone's taking a medication. It's like if you're if your doctor were taking medication for diabetes and treating you for diabetes, you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, you're on medication for diabetes. You can't treat right. me. But we do right. have that that idea that you can't be struggling in any way or you can't be on an antidepressant, even if you're perfectly fine because you're on an antidepressant because it works for you. Um, you know, it, it gives people pause. It gives some people pause. Mm-hmm. We have one question that we ask all of our guests, which is, um, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Ooh, I'm really weird that way. I don't keep anything except for an earthquake kit (laughs) in the the trunk of my car. I like that. What's in your kit? Um, It's like one of those kits that you buy that comes Mm, pre-done for uh you because I didn't know what I would need. Um, (laughs) So. So every, I think it's like every two years you have to replace it. And so I have like a notification on my, I know it sounds really anal, but there's a, no, I have like is, a notification in, in my outlook. This is important. That, that tells me, right, especially with these recent earthquakes. Yes. Um, so that's what I have in my trunk. It's extremely boring. Wow. <laughs> How do you manage to keep it so clean in there? Do you have like a routine? I don't routine? know. Anything I need in the car I bring with, you know, it's like, when you know when I'm going somewhere, I just bring what I need. Um, wow, she's so fastidious. Oh, Jeez, like yeah, my house isn't my house. I, I can't say the same for for my house. <laughs> okay, <laughs> at feel, all. Feel There's good. stuff lying around everywhere. Um, <sighs> but um, the trunk of my car, I just don't feel the need to have anything in there other than in case of emergency. Ooh. We're going to have to analyze this because like our theory is that what what's other, in and I'm trunk. really curious though, what do other people <laughs> right. have in there? Oh my gosh, you'd be surprised. Oh, everything under the sun. Yeah. A lot of people who are just, you know, overly prepared Real and quirky. Want, yeah. A lot of dog sure. stuff too, pet uh-huh. stuff. A lot of uh, uh, impromptu uh, picnic items, like blankets. <laughs> yeah, picnic and items. Yeah, but yours, umbrellas. Is, yours is like, you know, organized and clean. And we think it's representative of where you are in your life. So this, we're going to have to analyze and talk behind your back about what this <laughs> means about you. 
Yeah, it could mean it could mean so many things. But, um, <laughs> so many, right? <laughs> you should start are, asking your clients. Some of which are, are maybe not so positive, but um. <laughs> no. well, one what is positive is the response of yes. your book. Everyone is in love with it. I mean, now you're stuck. You're going to have to keep writing. Is that your plan? Well, I write the weekly Dear Therapist column for the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So, yes. um, you know, I, I do that every week, and. Um, uh, I'm about to go do a TED Talk, so I'm writing that. Oh, that's so exciting! Wow. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. And um, I'm not even thinking about another book right now because I have a busy practice and um, a busy yes. family and um, uh, these other endeavors. So um, I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the fact that that a lot of people are are um, that this book is resonating so widely. With yeah, I mean, you've really helped a lot of people, mm-hmm. and we're just excited to see what myself you included. Do. Yeah, and we're also working on the um, the television version of the book right now. So no way! The, oh, cool! With, uh, Eva Longoria. What the heck? Oh, Are you serious? That's going to be great. That's really cool. That's exciting. Do you so feel that's fancy? In, that's in development or... right now. My God, does it? Do you feel different, like your fancy pants, or do you feel like what's you know you're just the same gal? Oh, absolutely the same. Um, <laughs> you know, I I'm really, but I'm really. I mean, one of the things that's been so great about this book has been, I think that a lot of people, myself included, thought no one's going to read you know a book about this, right? Mm. That, that, and, you know, it's so small, it's so, you know, it's not commercial, all these things. And I said, I don't care, I just want to write it. And I felt like three people would write it. And actually, when you asked earlier, you know, how I felt about revealing so much of myself in the book, I really thought three <laughs> people were going to read it. <laughs> and so oh if God. I had known that so many people were going to read it, we're on like week 10 on the New York Times list right now. Oh so, you know, if God, I knew so that so many people were going to read it, I might have chickened out, and I'm so yeah. glad I didn't. Yeah, um, me you know, too. it's almost like childbirth. Like if people had told you, you know, what <laughs> yeah. it's going to be like, you might have thought twice about that. But then you're so glad <gasps> you had funny. the kid. Um, yes, I'm so glad that I didn't know how many people were going to read it because I think I would have either not put yeah. myself in it or tried to clean mm-hmm. myself up a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, and I really like warts and all put myself in it that way. And I think that's why it's resonating. And I think yep, it wouldn't yeah. have resonated if I'd cleaned myself up in that way. But I, yeah. I think it's great that people are so interested in thinking about their lives in this way. And, um, you know, are really interested in their emotional world in this way. And, you know, I think that's why I'm excited about the TV show is that you can bring it to even more people through. That, I'm know, really excited medium. for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations to you. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, and thank you so much for the conversation. I I was so glad to be able to talk to you guys. Yes, thank you for coming on. You're off the hook. This podcast is brought to you by Weave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.